0: Good morning, uh, it is a, yeah, a privilege to, to be able to share with you today, continuing the theme that we've been looking at over the last few weeks, Get Out There, and I'd encourage you to go back and watch over um, the, the rest of the, the, the rest of the series, it's been a really challenging and powerful um, few uh, weeks of ministry, um, but this week if you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to John chapter 20, verses 19 through twenty two john chapter twenty verses nineteen through twenty two and it'll be on the screen for us to to read along as well and just as a bit of context so this is the the first time that we see the resurrected jesus appearing to the wider group of his disciples as you know he was um, he died on the cross he was buried in the tomb, and then three days later, uh, they find that the stone has rolled away. The tomb is empty, uh, and so far in, in John's Gospel, uh, Mary Magdalene is the first person that uh, has seen Jesus, and now he's come here to his disciples in this uh, in the room that they're all gathered in. And it says this: it says, "On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders." Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace, be with you. After he said this, he showed them the hands in his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace, be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit spirit as the father has sent me so I am sending you what a powerful moment that is I'm a I'm one of I'm the oldest of three siblings and and being the oldest I'm not sure if if anyone would agree but being the oldest I feel there's a kind of there's a level of responsibility to uh, kind of provoke and annoy the others, I don't know. Is that, is that fair to say? It's, um, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. We don't get away with as much as the the younger siblings. Um, but no, as, as the younger brother, as the oldest, I sometimes like to, to see how much I can get away with. And I remember one time, me and my brother, we we always used to play uh, football in the garden. And for some reason, we always loved playing football on the trampoline. I don't know what it was. The the, the tackles could be a bit juicier, and the, the diving saves looks a bit more dramatic. But this one time, I remember I was putting a few big tackles on my brother on this trampoline and he knew how to give a little bit back and in the end it basically just turned out to be a bit of a scrap and a, a bit of a fight on the trampoline and after a few uh, minutes of us just having a, a wrestle and the, the two footed tackles were coming in and the, the, yeah, the, the kicks were, were all there, uh, we heard some footsteps coming behind us and then we heard the voice shout, stop, fighting!" We looked up, we realised it was my, my little sister, and so we, we knew that we were alright, we, we thought we were in trouble, but no, it was just my sister, it's all good. So we carried on for a few more moments, and then again she says, stop fighting. A few more, more moments, we carried on, kept wrestling, and then one last time she finally said, she said, stop fighting, dad says so. It was then we, we looked up and we paused our headlocks for a moment and looking through the kitchen window we could see our dad with a stern look on his face looking at, down at us and we knew it was it was time to stop and break it up. We, we instantly got up, we put smiles on our faces and we pretended you know, it was all just a good laugh and a joke. You see, it's only when we realised that it, my sister was bringing a message from my father that she had the impact with the words, the, the power to... The situation changed when we realised who, who was sending her. Isn't it true that whenever a representative or an ambassador brings a message on someone's behalf, it's not always the messenger themselves that adds weight to the words. What adds the power and authority to the messenger is the one who sends them. It's the one from whom the message originates you see thinking back to what Helena spoke about a few weeks ago isn't it encouraging to know that as followers of Jesus in this cultural moment that we're living in we don't stand in our own authority we stand and are sent out on mission by the king of kings and the lord of lords we are Christ's ambassadors Christ's representatives with the wonderful message of the gospel of Jesus Christ as the Father sent me so I send you what powerful words those must have been to those early disciples it's hard to imagine the mix of emotions that would have been in the room at the time these disciples who had locked the doors for fear of the Jews they'd lost their saviour, the one that they'd been following for a few years and now suddenly he's appeared, the shock and the excitement of, of that moment But also perhaps the weight of the responsibility they must be feeling when he passes on this mission to carry on the work that he was doing in the world. You see, getting out there with a boldness and a courage is simple in theory. But as I'm sure you'll agree, it's not always easy. In fact, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I'd be embarrassed to share the number of times that I'd prayed for opportunities to um, share my faith in, in, with people in my world, yet failed to make the most of the opportunity. You see, the Christian journey, the Christian mission isn't an easy one. But as we take a look at a few snippets from throughout John's Gospel, I believe there are some pillars of truth That can give us a glimpse into how the Father sent Jesus, which in turn can help us understand how Jesus therefore sends us to get out there. First of all, notice um, that to get out there, we need grace and truth. I love the opening of, of John's Gospel. John chapter 1, if you've never read John's Gospel before, I really encourage you to read it. But in, in John chapter 1, we get this amazing but mysterious introduction as John introduces Jesus to his reader. And he juices, introduces him under the title of the Word. And in verse, um, John chapter 1, verse 14, he says this. It says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. It's a, it's a powerful verse because when we read that in made his dwelling among us, many commentators suggest that it's better or more literally translated as pitched his tent among us. The association John is making is back to the days of Exodus when Moses and the Israelites built a tent according to God's command to hold his presence, representative of God being among his people. It was a place of God's presence. It was a place of, God's, uh, a place of worship. It was a place of sacrifice. And it was a place where Moses would go and hear from God. But now... In the New Testament, God chose to be with his people in the most personal, relational, intimate way. He became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. You see, as we read through other parts of the Bible, we realise that it's by grace that we have been saved. We are, it's by grace that we are forgiven. It's what Jesus came to bring, God's undeserved, unmerited favour, his loving kindness, his mercy and compassion poured out for me and for you. He came with truth, a truth that exposes our desire for for self-sufficiency, a truth that shows how our sin has separated us from God and the truth that he offers new life through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can be reconciled to God. And have a new life in Him, grace and truth. Isn't it true we're all here today because of God's grace and His truth? Thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice that You poured out for us. As Brian was sharing before, didn't it? it wasn't just amazing what He was saying about the how God just came and sent His Son to die for us on the cross? In fact, John three sixteen and seventeen says it like this: For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him and just as the father sent Jesus full of grace and truth so Jesus sends us to get out there with grace and truth How many of you um, remember Aesop's fables from back in the day? I don't know if they're still knocking around these days. But there's one that um, stuck in my mind and it's the story of the wind and the sun. Aesop's fable, the story of the wind and the sun. And For those of you who don't know it, it's basically the the wind and the sun are having an argument. They're having a bit of discussion about who's the strongest. And while they're having this argument, the the wind says to the sun, well, they notice that there's a traveller. Walking along the road, so the sun says to the wind, he says, right, to prove who's the strongest, the strongest one will be the person who can get the traveler to remove his cloak. So the wind um, goes first and he he blasts a cold kind of gush of wind against him and as the traveler feels the wind, he pulls his cloak a little bit tighter. So the wind keeps going and blasting and he gets colder and he gets more harsh. But as the wind gets harsher, it causes the traveler to wrap his cloak around him just a little bit more tighter. Eventually, the, the traveler, uh, the, tra- uh, the wind gives up. He realizes that he's never going to get the coat removed from the traveler. And so now it's the sun's turn. And the sun simply just shines in the midday. He, and At first the traveller thinks this is quite a nice change from the cold and so he, he unbuttons his, his cloak and just lets it hang over his shoulders. And then as the sun keeps shining and gets warmer and warmer, he finally removes his coat and goes to sit in the shade. It's, a, it's an interesting picture because I'm convinced that if we come with a cold-hearted judgment of people... If we come with an attitude like the Pharisees with a pride and an arrogance who distanced themselves from people who took God's word and entangled their own hypocrisies and agendas into it all If we come with like the Pharisees that just try and bash people it'll only cause people to pull their cloaks a little tighter It'll cause people to harden their hearts to the gospel But on the other hand if we come with the warmth of Christ, if we come with hearts full of mercy and compassion, if we come with hearts full of a genuine and authentic love for people, it causes hearts to soften, it causes walls to come down, and it causes people to open up their hearts to Jesus Christ, for people to acknowledge Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Isn't that what we see with Jesus in our own lives and throughout the Gospels? Grace and truth. I heard John Maxwell say it like this one time. He says, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. You see, to get out there, we need grace and truth. Following that, to get out there, we need our own journey with God. One of my favourite accounts in John's Gospel is John chapter 9. We hear about the, the man born blind and we won't cover it in, in great depth, but just to give you um, a brief overview, we're introduced to a man right at the start of John chapter 9. We're not, we don't know his name, we only know his condition. It says that he was a man blind from birth. Jesus restores the man's sight by putting mud over his eyes an interesting method one I wouldn't recommend Um, but yeah the man's sight is restored and then for the rest of the chapter we get this backwards and forwards where the man is interrogated by his friends his neighbours the Pharisees his parents get involved and every time he's put into the spotlight we notice that his testimony of Jesus changes and progresses ever so slightly In verse 11, he declares that Jesus is just the man that healed him. By verse 17, he says that Jesus is a prophet. By verse 27, he identifies himself as uh, one of Jesus' disciples. By verse 33, he recognises that Jesus is sent from God. And then by verse 38, he recognises Jesus as Lord and worthy to be praised. Can you see the progression in his faith? It's a beautiful picture of maturity and and the challenge to us all. You can see him going from strength to strength and glory to glory as he goes on that journey with God himself. I'm challenged because so often, as I'm sure we all are, I feel like I'm guilty of letting the love of God grow cold in my own life allowing my faith to, to stagnate, to, to reach a level of comfort. But this story reminds us that to fan into flames the, the love of God in our hearts, to continue to build that intimacy, intimacy with him on a, in our daily walk with him, to cultivate an awe and a wonder of who God is. You see, salvation isn't just a moment where we raise our hands in a prayer, but it's a lifelong journey with Jesus Christ our Lord and Saviour. Yeah. It's like the song we sing as, um, we've seen it before, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light and the glory of his grace. Yeah. To get out there, we need our own Journey with God. It's only by having our own journey with God that we can take others on the journey with us. There's a there's a group of people called the Sherpa. Uh, they're, they're the native people that live in the kind of mountainous regions of Nepal. And um, because of the the environment that they're raised in, the the mountains that surround them, they are considered experts and, uh, in in mountaineering and in leading different expeditions and things like that. Most, uh, in fact, many of them serve as guides on various high altitude tours and expeditions to climb to the top of Mount Everest. They take groups of people up and help people get up and down the summit. I heard an interview with a a Sherpa recently, and he's been to the the summit of Everest a number of times, more than many people um, have ever done. And so the interviewer is asking him questions along the lines of, so why, what makes you keep going back to the top? What makes you keep taking the risk? What keeps the journey interesting? Like, Do you never get bored on, of, of seeing the same journey? Of, do, is it what keeps you going back to the top? And this Sherpa paused and uh, I, I loved it. He just gave a really simple response. He just looked at the interviewer and said, you've clearly never been to the top. You, you see, there's a difference between being a tour guide and a travel agent. Travel agents are able to give you details. They're able to give you a map. And they're able to make you recommendations based on where they've heard. But in reality, many times they're sending people to places they've never been themselves. But tour guides, on the other hand, help you on your journey because they've been there. Yeah. They're able to take you to the best routes. They're able to show you the best, the best views. They're able to walk you through what to do in times of crisis when things aren't what we planned. We have to know the way to show the way. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Are you a Christian travel agent or a tour guide? I was encouraged by Rick's words last week when he says, you don't have to have this dramatic testimony. I know that's something I've always been conscious of for years. I always feel like my testimony is just boring and lived in church all my life and things like that. But Rick reminded us, you don't have to have this amazing, like, dramatic testimony. Sometimes in the simplicity of our walk with God, as we journey with him for years of faithfulness, we get to collect these stories of God's provision. We get to collect these stories of God's faithfulness. How God's lifted us up out of the mud and mire. How he's set our feet on a rock and given us a firm place to stand, as the psalmist says. You see, I'm convinced that it's only when we run after God, when we pursue him in his presence, when we pursue his will, his way, that, we be, that then we become become a light on the hill that Jesus is called to, transforming our communities one person at a time. The question is, are we willing to keep going back up the mountain? Are we willing to keep doing the hard work of, our, of, of building intimacy with Jesus on a daily, in our daily walks with him? When you've been to the top, it changes everything. When you keep walking that journey, you begin to fall in love with who he is. We felt that we see the joy that is found in his presence and we get to see him become more glorious than anything else in our sight. Yeah. To get out there, we need grace and truth. To get out there, we need our own journey with God. And finally, to get out there, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Let's remind ourselves of that passage we started with. John chapter 20 verses 21 says this. It says, and again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah. By this point um, Jesus has already taught them, he's already warned them and prepared them for what life is going to be like once Jesus is gone, and he, he's been talking to them and teaching them about the Holy Spirit. In chapter 4, he's described as the advocate, the counsellor, the comforter, someone to be with them always. In chapter 15, he's described as the spirit of truth, the one who confirms the testimony of Jesus in the hearts of others. Not only had he passed on his mission for them to continue, but now he also imparted his spirit same mission, same spirit as Jesus. Not only had he called them to action, but now he had empowered them for action. Cookie reminds us of this all the time, doesn't he? He says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Isn't it a relief that it's not our responsibility, nor our, within our power to change the hearts and the minds of people? That's a miracle that only Jesus can do by the power of his Holy Spirit. Our job is obedience and faithfulness. Our job is to, like Brian said before, just to have those eyes open to see what God is wanting us to do. To get out there, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Years ago, um, when I was at uni, my uni schedule on a Tuesday was pretty pretty rough. It was a a nine till 5.30 of non-stop lectures, a pretty pretty dry day. Um, But by 5.30 as I'd come out, I'd get to the train station. The train station at that time, as you know, rush hour, it was absolutely packed. And after a few times of standing under people's armpit being squashed in or well because I'm quite tall people standing under my armpits. Um, I'd started my Tuesdays then became the day that instead of just heading straight to the train station and going home I'd go to the coffee shop down the road have a bit of a read wait for an hour or so and then I'd jump back on the train when it's calmed down and this one time I went to the coffee shop down the road I ordered my vanilla latte just like I always did I found a table at the back just where I always did and it was quite busy and I sat down, I got my Bible out, and I was about to put my earphones in. And as I was putting my earphones in, I heard this voice that just captured my thoughts. It, just, it was louder than anything else. It just said, don't put your earphones in. So I was like, that's strange. And then again, don't put your earphones in. So I put my earphones back in my bag, and I just began reading. And there was a gentleman next to me and a lady to, to my left. And after a few moments, the the guy next to me, he, he turns he gives me a nudge, and he just says... Oh, what what is it you're reading? It, it looks like the Bible, and we just began chatting, and he was asking me questions about God, and we got into this discussion, and he, he started to open up to me about his his life. He was telling me some of the the incredibly painful things that he's been through, some of the things that he's done, and he was very vulnerable. And there was just this moment that he could tell was just kind of orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. That was just this this guy was just kind of slowly opening up his heart and after after a while uh, he turns to me and after telling me all these things that he has been through and just all the while he's, he's saying these things I'm just in my mind I'm thinking god I have no idea what to say in response to to some of these things god I feel like I don't have the words lord we we put the words in my mouth we help me um you know just speak the the truth to this guy or whatever and um I can't even, to be honest, I can't even remember what I was saying, but I, I just remember just having the words at the right time, uh, that, that God just guided me through this conversation, and we went backwards and forwards for, for a while, and eventually he turns to me and he just says, can God really forgive anyone of anything? And it was the moment that I could see that it was starting to click. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And we walked through some of the authors of the, the Bible, you know, prisoners, you've got, you know, murderers, adulterers, and things like that. God really can use and forgive anyone. And I don't want to, I don't want to drag the story on too, too much longer, but in the end, he, he gets up. We, we prayed in the coffee shop together. And we get up, and he, he shook my hand, and he says, I'll never forget this conversation. And then he walks out. And that, that was the last... I ever saw him and I'd love to be able to say, oh, you know, he gave his life to Christ right there and then. But what I realised was that our job is just the kind of the the obedience and the faithfulness and the openness to hear the Holy Spirit's promptings and God takes care of the rest. You see, I I don't know what's happened where he is now, that, that man, but all I can trust is that the seeds that God was planting there, the Holy Spirit is doing a work on the inside that none of us will be able to see. Maybe not until we get to heaven It's not the eloquence of our words. It's not the personality of the messenger that produces the fruit. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that as we lean into what he's saying, as we respond to his nudgings and to his promptings, he'll do the work. He'll do what only he can do. It reminds me of how a few thousand people were fed because of one boy's Obedience, small acts of obedience to give Jesus is five loaves and two fish. And likewise, how powerful are our words, are our actions of obedience in the hands of a miracle-working God? You see, as we're talking about the nudgings of the Holy Spirit, you might be watching online or you might be sat in the room with us and you've never given... um, Maybe feeling that nudge yourself to maybe open your heart to, to God, you're maybe feeling that nudge yourself to find out a little bit more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and we'd love to support you on that journey if if that's you that we do have a, a, an alpha course starting next month it would be we'd love to it's a, it's a real safe space for us to ask those big questions to get some of those fou- foundational teaching on on what we believe. so I'd really encourage you just on your way out at the link and we'd love to take your name and, and get you signed up for that. But our job is obedience and faithfulness. God takes care of the rest. As the seed and the sower, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, Isaiah says, so it does not return without providing seed to the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that comes out of my mouth. It will not return void, but will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. Our job is faithfulness and God will produce the fruit. The Christian journey, the Christian mission, it isn't easy. But I hope you've seen that as, we, as we've walked through a few snippets of John's gospel, I hope you've seen that there are some pillars of truth that give us a glimpse into how the Father sent Jesus and likewise inform our thinking on how Jesus sends us to get out there. To get out there we need a grace, we need grace and truth. To get out there we need our own journey with God and to get out there we need the power of the Holy Spirit. So Bridge family, people watching online, let me personalise Jesus' commission for us. As the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus sends us. Let's pray. Lord, you are worthy to be praised. Great is the Lord and most worthy to be praised. His greatness no one can fathom. Lord, we got in response to your word this morning. We just want to say, Lord, will you give us an ever increasing awe of you in our hearts, Lord. Let us see you more glorious than anything in our, health, in our eyes, God. Father, give us a boldness and a courage to stand in the midst of intimidation, Lord, to stand in the midst of uh, struggles. God, give us a boldness and a courage to do what you've called us to do. Like we heard already, Lord, we open our eyes to see the opportunities, open our eyes to, to make the most of the things, Lord, how we can offer our mundane moments to be used by you. God, we also ask for the wisdom and the words, to make the most of these opportunities when we need them. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Let's worship.